Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast, presented by SeatGeek. You'll hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and writers that cover the NFL on a daily basis. The New Orleans Saints podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Aaron Summers. Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Aaron Summers. Happy to be talking to you after a Saints win. They took it 21-18 over Atlanta yesterday in the Caesar Superdome. It was a fun game. They scored on their opening drive, which was amazing. It was a touchdown. So that was great to see Juwan Johnson getting in the end zone twice. And then Taysom Hill hooked up with Rashid Shaheed for a 68-yard touchdown. That's the longest touchdown or play, actually, from scrimmage for the Saints this season. So that was really fun to watch. And then in the end, the Saints were able to hold off the Falcons. And now they can say that they swept the Atlanta Falcons this season. That's always nice as well. And it also means, because the Bucks lost and the Panthers lost, that the NFC South is still completely up for grabs. The Saints still have a chance, as do everyone else in the conference or the division. And, you know, the Saints and the Falcons will need some help. The Panthers and the Bucks are in control. They'll have to basically win out to secure a first spot in the division and a playoff berth. But, hey, there's still a chance, and that's what we're rocking with. Very excited to be coming off of a win here. We're going to bring in John DeShazer, our senior Saints writer, to help break down some of the game, talk about this season and our upcoming game in Cleveland. John, thanks for joining me back on the New Orleans Saints podcast. I appreciate you taking the time. How have you been? I'm getting there. Doing well. I actually am doing a lot better than I could be. Uh, So, you know, everything's coming into place slowly but surely. I really miss being around people, which is (laughs) I really didn't realize how much I am around people. Mm -hmm. Now that I'm not, missed a whole lot, but, you know, we're getting there. Well, we're happy that you're out of the hospital and you made it through that step of things and you're back in some capacity writing, covering the Saints. And yes, I'm looking forward to having you back in person as well, because it's not the same doing some of these shows without you. So (laughs) I do miss you. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting back. (laughs) Well, let's talk about the Saints game coming off a bye really was a must win against the Falcons. What did you like about the way they attacked that game, especially to start off? Well, I like the fact that they were able to get some chunk plays going. Um, This team has really done a nice job, I think, offensively of figuring out what to do with Rashid Shaheed. Mm -hmm. Uh, They kind of spoon fed him a little bit, you know, until he learned the offense. And now he's becoming a much more complete player, a much more complete player than I thought he was, to be honest with you, and that I thought he would be. He's really a receiver. He's not just a return guy. He's a guy who can line up at receiver and make things happen. So, you know, to be able to continue to get those chunk plays out of him when defenses know that's what he's out there for uh, really is impressive to me. I like the fact that they were able to kind of grind it out a little bit in the run game. Alvin Kamara with a 21 carries for 91 yards, uh, a guy who needs to have the ball in his hands and they got the ball in his hands, uh, maybe not even as much as they could have mm-hmm. during that game, but they were able to do that. And I like the fact defensively, they only gave up the 18 points. Now, I'm not crazy about the 200-plus rushing yards allowed because that'll get you beat a lot of times in the (laughs) NFL. But it was just enough 
against that Falcons team because, you know, Desmond Ritter, the rookie quarterback making his first start for the Falcons, he wasn't going to throw the ball. And, and they knew he wasn't going to throw the ball. And I guess that's the most distressing part about allowing the 200 rushing yards sure. is that you know he's not out there to throw the ball and they still weren't able to stop the run. That's something that they're going to have to be – well, we've been saying that all season, right? They're going to have to be able to fix it because teams look at film. They know that that's your weakness. And when they see that, they're going to continue to attack that. And the Saints, unfortunately, have not shown they've been able to stop that. I think that's the eighth game this season that they've allowed more than 137 rushing yards by an opponent. And that is alarming for this defense, alarming for any defense. It's the third game this season that they've allowed a single person to rush over 100 yards against them because Tyler Algier went off, had his way on the ground, most yards for him on this season. What is the answer? What do the Saints need to do? If I knew, I, I, if, if they coach. knew, I guess they fixed. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's about run fits and it's about, you know, a, yeah. a, and it's about discipline because these guys, they know how to stop the run. They've done it before. Uh, they did it against Tampa Bay. They've, they've done these things before, but, you know, for some reason, they have lost their discipline in several games and not been able to stop the run. And it's really distressing when an opponent's able to get, you know, a third and five on the ground, a third and six on the ground. And I think maybe yesterday there might have been a third and 12 or something that mm -hmm. they were able to run for. Those are things that shouldn't happen uh, to this Saints defense. Those are things that shouldn't happen to a good defense in the NFL because, you know, when those things happen to a defense in the NFL, that becomes a losing team generally. Uh, so the Saints were really, I think, fortunate to be able to come out with come out with a big, big, big turnover at the end. Uh, Justin Evans with the punch out, and then and Bradley Roby with the with the recovery. Because who knows what would have happened had they not forced that turnover in that position in the fourth quarter. Uh, but for you know, fortunately for the Saints, they're able to come out with it. But you know, when you allow that kind of rushing yards, uh, there's a there's a lot to not be happy with defensively. I think momentum kind of shifted a little bit too in the second quarter late with the fumble by David Johnson. The Saints were about to score. And in these, it's a couple of things that you said. We've said multiple times this year about stopping the run, taking care of the ball, limiting the mistakes. And you still had a couple of those things pop up. How did you like the way that the Saints did respond though out of the break? Well, that's a good thing. I mean, they were able to, to to come out of the bye and they were able to, you know, jump on the Falcons early. They were able to overcome the the, the lost turnover. On, you know, it turned out to be a huge one because, you know, they're able to probably maybe put, put the put the stamp on this game if they're able to score a touchdown in that situation. Yeah. They're right in that in that situation where maybe they break the Falcons if they're able to score there. Uh, but I think they handle coming off a really, really crushing loss to Tampa Bay, mm -hmm. which could have sapped this team, uh, could have broken a lot of teams. Uh, I think they handled it pretty well because it was one thing to 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 get your your butts kicked. It, it's totally one thing to get your butts kicked. But when you have a game in hand and you feel like you put it on a silver platter and gave it away, that's the kind that can kind of break your spirit because you know you're good enough to win the game and you don't win the game and you do a lot of things that are good enough to win the game and you feel like you hand it away. Uh, so they had a long time to kind of sit on that, to stew on it. And I know they talk about the 24-hour rule, but the 24-hour rule to me doesn't apply when you got a bye week because you got a lot of time to think about, you know, those mistakes in that particular game and, and the ones that led up to that particular game to put you in a situation where, 
you know, you're several games under 500 mm -hmm. and you could have, would have, should have, maybe, you know, ought to be in a better position, but you're not. And so you got a lot of time to reflect on that. And I think they came out of the bye with the proper perspective as in, you know, hey, season isn't over. It doesn't matter what anyone says. We're going to be professional about this and we're going to take this and we're going to try to go one and over every week. So they were able to go one and oh, and hopefully they're able to string together another one and oh. Well, let's talk about some of the positives in this game. You mentioned Rashid Shahid, his ability, his speed, that touchdown from Taysom Hill to Shahid. It was a 33 yard pass, 35 yards after the catch. It was just a perfect play call in that moment. Are you happy that it finally clicked like that for both of those players? Well, you know, Shahid has shown he can do these things. The, the, the more impressive part of it might probably is Taysom Hill. Yeah, because I Taysom didn't expect – I had to double check because I was like, wait, was that Dalton? No, or, no, yeah. it was Hill. Because <laughs> yeah. you ask a lot of him. I mean, you, you, you know, he was, he was talking about it, and you, you on one play you might ask him to run a quarterback power. And on the next play you might ask him to, to block as a tight end. So he's doing really, 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 really physical things. And then you throw him in at quarterback and you say, okay, now we want you to make this – down the field touch pass over a defender mm -hmm. to your receiver. Now you get the great look, you get the perfect look, but you've got to get, get the perfect pass to go along with it. Otherwise none of it works. And so you ask a lot of Taysom Hill in that situation and for him to be able to transition uh, from one position tight end or, you know, quarterback power to the next position where they're saying, okay, you're not going to run quarterback power on this one. We're going to ask you to throw it deep. And you don't get a lot of reps doing that during the week. I don't care if you get 15 of them. That's still not a lot of reps when you're talking about getting in the middle of the game and the adrenaline slowing and you got to make that throw. So I thought it was one of the most impressive throws I've seen him make in the NFL because it's right over the defender's finger. I mean, right over the guy's finger. And Rashid Shahid continues to impress. I mean, this rookie class with Shahid, Chris Alave, Alante Taylor, uh, and, you know, Trevor Penning, this basically is a redshirt season for him. Yeah. So this rookie class, just with those three players, and one of them being undrafted, being Shahid, has really turned out to be a good banner class for the Saints. And when you're able to add Penning into it next year, it will be a much more formidable class because you expect Penning to be starting probably at left tackle next year uh, if he's healthy at the beginning of the year. So they will have potentially four starters out of this class, which is a lot out of a rookie class. Yeah, they've definitely, I think, exceeded some expectations. Maybe the Saints brass knew what they had in these players. But Alante Taylor has come in. He's very aggressive. He's confident. And he almost had another couple picks, really, in the game yesterday. Could you get any? He can't get any closer to getting an interception than he has on multiple occasions this he's season. Gonna work, he's going to have to work on the hands. That's what he's going to have to do because, <laughs> because he's right in position. Uh, he would have had a 90 plus yard pick six really easy. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the interception that should have been to open up the second half, uh, the one where he can't get his feet down, uh, really difficult. I mean, he's in position. It, it's going to happen for him, but man, he's just got to get the ball skills down. He's got to get the, the sticky hand. He's, I don't know if he's wearing the wrong gloves or what, but he's got to be able to pull a couple of those in because they're huge plays uh, that not only get your defense either off the field or 
get you an instantaneous score, which is what he would have had on that pick six, which, which would have been beautiful because he's undercut several routes this season. He's got the great timing. He's just got to finish the play. Yeah. I mean, and that, again, they were, Falcons were in the red zone. They only ended up with three points, I think, on that drive, but still would have been really nice for him to catch that pass. I mean, it went right through his hands. Um, so that was, that's tough, but it's, it's kind of funny to think I, I feel bad for him. And with the linebackers, Pete Werner coming back, Caden Ellis and him kind of seemed to be trading in and out. How did you like their usage and what they were able to do? Well, I think both of them were playing so well that you got to have them both on the field. Yeah. Pete Werner was having an all pro type season. I don't care what anybody says. He was having an all pro level season. He goes out and you're wondering, man, what's going to happen with this defense now? And then Caden Ellis, begins playing like Pete Werner had no business being on the field because Kay Nellis was having a, an all pro level type production when he was out there. So mm-hmm. you know, I think they did a really good job of recognizing, Hey, I know Pete Werner's coming back, but we got to make sure that we get all of these guys on the field because Demario Davis ain't coming off the field. We know that. So you got to figure out a way to get Werner and Ellis out there. So I thought they had a, a decent amount of three linebacker, um, a three linebacker positions out there with when you had all three on the field at the same time which is a good look for the Saints. Yeah. It's generally something that they don't do. But when you've got a guy like DeMario Davis, who you can use as a pressure player, mm-hmm. then you can do that because it's like having an extra rusher. And then you can have Pete Werner and Caden Ellis doing the linebacker things that maybe DeMario wouldn't do if he wasn't rushing. And then I think a decent amount yesterday, DeMario looked like he might've been a little bit of a spy. So, you know, you get those guys out there on the field, you've got linebackers who can cover sideline to sideline. Uh, you hopefully have better production in the run defense when you've got three guys out there at linebacker who can run that way. You'd like to see it project and be a little bit better and a little bit more productive here in the future. Well, then maybe they're kind of getting used to the new formations and responsibilities there, kind of having all three of them on the field. But Juwan Johnson, somebody that just continues to get better as the season goes on. He did make the transition from a wide receiver to a tight end. So I think we're seeing him get more comfortable in that role this season. How impressed have you been with what he's been able to do on the field this season? I mean, he's the the second uh, tight end leading touchdown tight end in the he has the second most touchdowns out of all tight ends in the league there. There we go. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's not only just on the team. He's doing really well across the league. Yeah, and if you're talking about the leading touchdown guy being Travis Kelsey probably from Kansas mm-hmm. City, that's pretty good company to be yeah. in. Um, you know, you wonder with Juwan if he was going to be more of – if he was going to turn into a real NFL player, quote-unquote, or if he was going to be kind of a novice player. You know, he was a guy who's really good at social media. He's a great speaker. You know, <laughs> love to do interviews with him. But was he going to be a real player? a productive player or was he going to be one of those guys who had flashes here and there and now he's really turning into a guy who's reliable uh, as a receiver I don't know if he's ever going to be a a grade a blocker or anything but you know I don't necessarily know if that's going to be his role anyway but as a receiver a guy who used to be a a wide receiver and now transitions to tight end put on the weight so he could play the position as a guy who's in that role you see the traits that made him a good receiver when he gets into the red zone, he's able uh, to make the stretch out play to get the touchdown, or he's able to weave through the defense to score standing up on the second touchdown. He's a guy who's, you know, he's huge. He's big body. Mm -hmm. He's able to position himself when he gets into the red zone, he makes himself an advantageous target. And so you don't mind if you're a quarterback going to that guy 
who's able to get open and then cash in and make you look good and get into the end zone, whether it's on the red zone score, 19 yard touchdown, or a little bit out of the red zone, a 22 yard touchdown. So, you know, he's able to be effective in either one of those roles. It's really great to see for him because again, I wondered whether he was just going to be a novice guy or if he was going to actually turn into a legitimate productive every down NFL player. And it looks like he can be a legitimate productive every down NFL player. Yeah, and on that longer touchdown, I mean, he barreled his way in. He had a fight for that touchdown, so it's good to see him do that. It's funny you mentioned the social media because I did see him in the locker room a couple of days ago. <laughs> it was the open locker room period, and he was going around interviewing players. And I'm like, what is Jawan doing? And they're like, oh, he's doing his social media thing. <laughs> that's his thing. He, I mean, he's good at it, and that's yeah. his thing. He's really, really good at it. But I, always, I was wondering if that was going to be his claim to fame or if he was actually going to be a good player, and it looks like – Hopefully, he'll be a better player than he will social media uh, presence. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of a player that was good with the media, Cam Jordan, he has his 200th game as a Saints player yesterday. Overall, you've covered him for so long. What kind of just how special is he as a player, not only on the field, but in the community and with the media? Well, he's just been phenomenal. Um, you know, we always have the, the you know the cliche saying is always uh, the best avail uh, the best ability is availability. Cam has been available. He has been available. He's only missed two NFL games in his career, one due to COVID, one due to a fractured eye socket. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the guy has been available. A game. And then, you know, you add in the production, he's going to, you know, at some point, I think, be the leading sack player in franchise history. He's going to surpass Ricky Jackson, the NFL Hall of the Pro Football Hall of Famer, uh, which is phenomenal because Cam, as he always admit, uh, as he always says, he came in as a guy who was a run technique guy. They didn't know he was going to be this kind of a sack presence. And he has been phenomenal from that standpoint. And then no matter what the guy's going through, no matter what his body's going through, and his body goes through a ton, every Tuesday he's at a school uh, doing community work for the organization, for himself, for his, his charitable organization. It's been really something that's been not just fun to see, but the way he has immersed himself into the community and made himself a piece of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I attribute a ton of that to his father, Steve Jordan, uh, because that's where he learned it from. He, you know, he saw Steve do it as a Minnesota Viking, and it's carried over to Cam. And he came in, and he he was determined to be a part of New Orleans. Um, I don't know if he's going to live in New Orleans when he retires, but I'm telling you, New Orleans will always have a place for Cam Jordan because. He has been as New Orleans as you can possibly be in terms of the way he's loved the city, the way he's contributed to the city, uh, the way he's spoken up on behalf of the city, the way he's represented the city. He has been anything you could possibly want in terms of a a model citizen, a model player. He hasn't been perfect. Nobody has been and nobody will be. But what he's given to the city and what he's given to the team, I don't know if there are a lot of players in franchise history who have matched what he has been to the saints because he has been a, a saint his entire career and he wants to ret- retire a saint. It's, it means a lot to him to be with one organization, his entire career. He's been truly incredible. And I've heard stories about him and how great of a person he is, how great he is in the community, but being here over the past year and a half, it's it's been fun to get to know him and kind of have an inside 
look at who he really is. I think he's just a big kid that wants to stay hanging out with the little kids. That's why he goes to all these schools every week. God, God bless his <laughs> wife, Nikki. God bless you, Nikki, because she's got, you know, I think they've got, I think they officially have, is it three kids, four kids? Cam makes five, whatever it is, because yeah. he is nothing but a big kid. I've never, I've never seen anybody with the kind of energy he has. I'm, I, I don't know when the guy sleeps. It's unreal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know when he sleeps. He never, I, I used to think, well, you know, there's no way he can be like this all the time. He never turns it off. I don't know where it comes from. His dad, Steve says he's always been like that. It never turns off with him. Mm-hmm. That's very true. He's definitely a fun person to talk to. I mean, a lot of players will do their media availability and they're fine and, and nice about it, but he'll just keep chatting. I mean, the cameras have been off for a while and he'll still hold court or just still sit there, sit around and hang out and talk to people. So um, he's been a pleasure to be around and obviously fun to watch on the football field. Uh, before we wrap up all of the podcast, you know, I just want to give one quick question about the Cleveland game coming up. It's a shorter week and I have heard horrible things about how cold it is going to be in Cleveland, <laughs> but the coldest game the Saints have ever played. So, I mean, how do you even prepare for that? Well, I mean, players generally handle it well, because even though the Saints players, even though the Saints play in the dome now, uh, most of these guys grew up college programs where they played outside and they played cold games. And, and so really it's one of those things where as players and coach Sean Payton used to say this all the time. And I, I think it's really true. You don't necessarily worry about the cold. What you worry about is the wind, the wind that can affect. Oh yeah. Happens. It's supposed to be 20 to 30 miles per hour in Cleveland. Yeah, and, and so that's the thing that concerns you the most because the cold, you know, everybody's cold, but when it's windy like that, you can't really throw it the way you want to yeah. because the wind affects it. So, you know, that's the thing that really affects everything. And, you know, cold, you, you know, you put on a couple of, you know, a couple of layers, you run around a little bit. And the next thing you know, you're sweating players. That is yeah. You know, us, us media folks are a little bit more tender than that. So it's going to take a little bit more than that, but players generally handle it pretty well. So it'll, it'll be interesting. You see, because, you know, Cleveland's not playing spectacularly well, even now that Deshaun Watson's come back. He's played a couple of games. They hadn't looked very good, even though they were able to win one, uh, win both of them, I think. Uh, but they have not looked spectacular on offense. And they'll be playing under the same elements where mm-hmm. that wind will be blowing. So I don't know necessarily know if they're going to want to throw it a whole lot. So you know, it'll be one of those games where maybe – if it depends on who's got the best run game, but well, we've seen the Saints give up 200 plus rushing yards right. in the most recent game. So that's the thing that concerns me the most, uh, especially if Nick Chubb is going to be on the field for Cleveland at running back, because yep. he's one of the best running backs in the league. And so, you know, that's something the Saints are going to have to be able to stop and make that team one dimensional. Um, I don't feel for, I don't feel great for you having to be out there in, in Cleveland, <laughs> whether, um, you know, and um, you know, it's one of those times where I don't necessarily um, like being um, in, in my situation medically, but you know, I don't necessarily miss going to Cleveland either. So, yeah, <laughs> it's going to be interesting. You, you do, take your wins where you can get them. Do the Saints practice outside? Is it supposed to be cold on Friday here? Do they practice outside? It's going to be really cold here. Yeah. And I would imagine they're going to practice outside here. Yeah, I would imagine they're going to practice outside this week. It's going to be nasty cold by the by the end of the week. Um, maybe I think we we might be you know at 
a high around freezing, around 32 or so. So that'll you know help acclimate them a little bit. And, and it can get pretty windy and brutal here too. Mm-hmm. When it when it's when it's cold here, it's really, really, really cold. So that'll help acclimate them some. You know, working out in 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 the uh, indoor facility that doesn't prepare you a whole lot when you're going outside to Cleveland. Uh, so, you know, we'll get some Cleveland weather here for that'll help prepare them for, for a Saturday game. So hopefully they'll be able to acclimate a little bit and get there and, and it won't be that much of a factor. Yeah. I got to keep this thing rolling. Everybody's still alive in the NFC South as crazy as that sounds. I mean, it's been such a weird year. This is the Freddy Krueger division. I mean, nobody <laughs> wants to die. I mean, it's just, it's phenomenal. I mean, on one hand, it's one of those seasons where everybody's looking at your division saying, you know, nobody deserves to go. And I used to be one of those people who said, you know, oh, if they've got a losing record, they don't deserve to go mm-hmm. to the playoffs. You know, now you're in the situation. It's like, you know what? It's hard to win the NFL. You know, if you can win your division at seven and, you know, 10 or eight and nine or whatever it is, win it. Don't make any apologies because once you go into the playoffs, everybody's O and O and you yeah. just go for It's going to be interesting to see how things finish up. We have three more games for the Saints. Next one, as I mentioned, at Cleveland. So we'll we'll be there seeing how it goes. But John, thank you so much for joining me. It was great to have you on and talk to you. So knowledgeable as always. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And um, hopefully we'll all be back into our regular roles here uh, pretty soon. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. Join us three times per week on NewOrleansSaints.com, the Saints mobile app, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek.